Welcome to the Bella Sad Bellin Podcast, the podcast for military-connected women, bringing messages of encouragement, humor, and practical how-to on topics that impact their lives most, equipping them to lead in the service and in the home with grace and wisdom. We care deeply about sharing accurate, timely, and relevant information with our listeners, but neither we nor our guests have a monopoly on truth and everyone's military experience is unique. The views expressed in any of our content, written or audio, do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, policy, or view. Welcome back to another episode of Bella's Had Bellum. I am your co-host, Bernadette, and with me is Julie. Hello. And we have a special guest today. Julie, would you like to introduce oh. our guest? Yes, I was supposed to introduce our guest. Yeah, you should, um, we, should, we should introduce the guest. Today, we are talking to a very special guest. We are talking to my very special mom. And today's episode, we are going to be talking about what it is like to be a mom of a military member. And kind of the purpose or the intent of this episode is for all of our Bellas out there, our military ladies, to kind of think about all of those relationships that you have, not just with a spouse or with your coworkers, but all of the people that support military life. And that includes your mom, whether you realize it or not. So we're going to talk to my mom and talk about what it was like or what it is like being mom of military. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and let my mom introduce herself a little bit and tell a little bit about her background and her affiliation with the military. Go ahead, mom. Okay, so my first name is Debbie, and I was born in New Jersey, grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, went to college there, and I married um, Julie's dad about two weeks after I graduated from college. He was a brand new first lieutenant at that point in the Air Force. Actually, no, he was maybe still a second lieutenant, just about ready to become a first lieutenant. When we got back uh, from the honeymoon, we moved to, I moved to Dayton, Ohio, which was where he had been stationed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And after that, we moved to Los, Los Alamos National Lab in New Mexico. Um, my husband had essentially a sabbatical position there from the Air Force for two years, and he did research in the lab. Uh, after that assignment, we headed to um, the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs for two years, where Ken was an instructor in the chemistry department. That's so that cool. was followed by two <laughs> years back in Ohio for Ken to go to grad school and work on his PhD. And then we headed back to the Air Force Academy for another four years. So it's <laughs> a lot of moving. Yeah, a lot of moving around. And at the end of that four years, he actually had orders to PCS to Kirtland Air Force Base. Uh, but the military was going through a drawdown, reduction in force. And um, my husband was offered a civilian job. We talked about it a lot, a lot. I remember a lot of the discussion and made the decision uh, that he would go ahead and separate from the Air Force. And he took the civilian position and we moved to Phoenix, Arizona. So that's where I am now. Um, Ken passed away about eight years ago of brain cancer. And um, we had four kids. Julie is the oldest. But she's not, she's not your only military member, right? You have a couple. 
absolutely. Um, she is not. My youngest son, Daniel, is in the Air National Guard. He's actually deployed right now, uh, his first deployment, and I was super excited for him, although I don't think he was as excited about it as I was for him. <laughs> I will kick it off with, I guess, the first question. So you have a life in the military with your spouse and then have your son in the National Guard. But Julie decided to, you know, apply or, or join the military and, and go to the academy. What were your feelings about that? I mean, how'd you feel about your daughter joining the military? Uh, well, I do distinctly remember Julie bringing it up. I think she was a junior in high school um, when she broached the subject with us and said that she was interested in trying to get into the Air Force Academy. And I, I do think I kind of laughed at the time because, yeah, yeah uh, wasn't probably very nice. But, um, you know, Ken was an academy graduate. My brother was an academy graduate. Obviously, we'd been assigned to the Air Force Academy. We'd hosted cadets there as a sponsor family. Um, so I think I had a little bit better of an idea of what she, what was ahead of her, what she was facing than she did. Yeah, I had no idea. Looking back on it, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I do remember, it's probably not very flattering, but I remember <laughs> telling Julie that she can be an emotional and she could cry very easily. And I said, they're yeah. going to chew you up and spit you out if you do that. Challenge, um, but of course she exceeded my <laughs> expectations. So I was very proud of her for that decision um, because I believe strongly in service to our country. At the same time, I was also sad because I knew from my experience that her decision meant that we wouldn't see her very much once she grad well once she left to go to basic training, and I knew what it was like to move around the country. Although we had never gone overseas for an assignment, but I knew what was coming for Julie with that possibility of moving a lot. I was glad that she would have a steady job because I had <laughs> for that. Sure. And we didn't have to worry about her moving back in and living in our basement. Well, we didn't have a basement, so I guess that wasn't possible. <laughs> and I think that the biggest concern I had was, would she be able to get through the four years of the academy and handle the frequent moves? What were your concerns for that first year in particular? Well, I know how hard it is, and there are no guarantees that just because you want to make it through uh, your first year or any of those four years that you're going to be able to do it. There's so many things that can come up. Yeah, sure. I remember the story of uh, Dad actually helped work with basics uh, one summer when he was an instructor there. Dad, sorry, Ken. And uh, he had one basic who, every time he stood at attention, would lock his knees and promptly pass out. Yeah. And just couldn't get over it. And so they had to send him home. And Ken had the unfortunate job of calling his parents and letting them know why their son was going to be coming home. And mom apparently was irate because she said, well, we've already spent the money that we had saved for his college. What are we going to do now? <laughs> and should have thought of that, you know, maybe waited until after graduation before you spend that college money. But anyway, um, the, uh, the other concern that I had was uh, whether she's going to be able to balance a career and a family 
if she were to get married down the road and have a family. So those were the things I was thinking about. The feelings you had then, have they changed now? Or how do you feel about her military service now, kind of on on the back end, now that she's been in for a little while? Well, obviously, I don't have concerns about her getting through the Air Force Academy. Oh, right. <laughs> that did very well. Of course. Yeah. Um, other than that, my feelings really haven't changed. Uh, I was, of course, proud that she survived the Academy. And I'm still very proud of her service to our country and what she has accomplished. Although I don't think I have a very good grasp of what it is that she does. And I'm also very pleased that she's found a way to balance her career and a family in a way that works for her. Yeah. Uh, and I wish I could see her more often, uh, but I do have, you know, my three other children are all out of state, and that's just the way that life is nowadays. Uh, and you have to understand that that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, so military service obviously means separation from your home and your family, wherever you grew up. Military service does not have to mean that you're leaving your family, but being a civilian doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to stay near your family. Uh, And so I think the common thread that I wanted to emphasize for both spouses of military members who maybe didn't necessarily choose the military lifestyle on their own, they chose their military spouse, and that came with moving every so often, Uh, Or you're maybe a military member who was excited to go see the world and get away from home. I think the common important thing to remember for all of those groups of people is that your family supports you and has your back and encourages you and you can't say adios and leave forever and never talk to them (laughs) if that relationship is important to you. If that relationship with your family is important to you, you have to stay committed. You have to put the work in and the effort in no matter where in the world you're located. And fortunately, there are plenty of ways of staying connected. Right, right. Yeah. Um, It's a commitment to make those trips or make those phone calls or Skype or write letters via snail mail, whatever works for you. So I was going to ask, it sounds kind of like the one of the bigger negative aspects of Julie's service nation or your daughter's service is the fact that she's not necessarily close by or easily accessible for time together. Are there any others, you know, kind of negative aspects or things that you're not so excited about, you know, whether it's hers or service nation in general as a mom? Or is that kind of the big one? Uh, no, I'd say that's really the biggest thing for me. I mean, I'm very proud of her, and I'm proud of her service to our country. And I feel the same way for any of our military women. It's a huge job, and I think most of our country is extremely grateful for what our service members do. So, yeah, I can't think of anything else that is really negative for me, just being able to get to see her sure. and and. By extension, you know, the, her family, sure. grandkids, and, and her husband as well. I don't get to <laughs> yeah. see him. Of course. <laughs> yeah, well, can of send course. him out for a visit. <laughs> well, and so the flip side of that would be, you know, are there any advantages or positive things that as a mom or from a mom's perspective, military life is really offered and brought to or, you know, brought out of in your daughter? I think I've seen a lot of maturity in Julie. 
and growth, particularly in regard to her leadership abilities and her awareness of what makes a good leader. And, you know, one of the things I get to see when I go visit, get to see exotic locations like Minot, North Dakota. (laughs) It is colder in Minot than it is on the moon. So if you ever wanted to know what that experience is like, Minot is your place. It's colder in Minot some places sometimes during some parts of the year than it is in Antarctica. So. You know, if you're prepping to go to Antarctica, you should go visit Minot. Oh, there is also Today in Bellas Ad Bellum Trivia. North Dakota is the geographic center of the continental United <laughs> States. So if you took take the land mass that is North America, so I guess not continental United States, but continental North America, if you take that land mass, North Dakota is actually the geographic center of that. People tend to think that it's somewhere in Oklahoma or Iowa, but that's the center of the United States, not the land mass. It's actually much further north, which means that's how much Canada there is. There is lots and lots of Canada that North Dakota is actually the center, the geographic center. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know that. Okay, so talk a little bit about concerns about a military lifestyle from the safety and security perspective. Okay, well, one of the concerns that I have uh, about Julie's career, I think, is the issue of deployments or overseas assignments. Because, gosh, you know, in the last 10, 20 years, our world has just gotten to be a very scary place. And Julie and I have talked about that a little bit. And, uh, you know, I just don't know where she could end up and what she might be doing. So, and, you know, now with my grandkids tagging along wherever she goes, if she gets reassigned overseas, you know, that's definitely a a concern for me. Um, But, you know, I would say that I could have the same concern with my civilian kids because I don't know where they might head off to and what they might be doing. Gosh, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's... It's scary everywhere. I will say, you know, to to allay that fear a little bit, military members get a lot of training about force protection and personal security before they deploy and annually and before they move overseas that I'm sure most civilians don't really get exposed to. So we learn a lot about vehicle safety and hotel room safety and don't make yourself an obvious American target and blend in and all that kind of stuff. That education is only as good as your willingness to apply it, but at least the information is there. So Yeah. Well now and so so Julie is deployed a couple of times? Right? Uh yeah. Go ahead and call it a couple of times. Yeah. How did you stay connected while your daughter was deployed? Actually while Julie was deployed Lloyd, I think it was primarily email because you can't text message where she was. And I don't think we ever Skyped, but there's big time difference there. So I don't know. I think I may have written her a letter or two. I don't remember for sure. But What was the best care package you ever sent or care package item? Well, and Julie and I discussed this as we were reviewing the questions in preparation for uh, this episode. And um, I said, she's really going to have to be the one to answer that because I just kind of put stuff in a box and don't remember. That's okay, fair. Except I knew when these care packages were going to the academy that it was very likely that whatever she pulled out of that box was going to have to be divvied up 
Yeah, I really still can't remember. I mean, I, I know you sent me care packages at the Academy, but I can't remember what was in them. Cookies. I remember cookies. Remember mm-hmm. lots and lots. Oh, I remember spritz cookies. There were spritz cookies one year. For sure there were spritz cookies. So that must have been around Christmas time. Uh, right. I sent a Chipmunks Christmas CD. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that was crucial because when the cadets are coming back from Thanksgiving break and they're about to head into, gosh, what was it that we called the it? The Dark Ages. The Dark Ages. Yes. And all of the upperclassmen would break out the Christmas music as the basics are coming back from Thanksgiving break and settling back into miserable life and you play the Christmas music to make them remember they just came from home where everything was nice and warm and soft and comfy and their mom hugged them every morning when they got out of bed and made them pancakes and nobody loves you here and it's dark and it's cold and it's windy and you have final exams in two weeks and Christmas vacation is another four weeks in front of you. Yeah, and you play chipmunk Christmas music and uh, and and really lift everybody's spirits. That memory is very lucid for you, I can tell. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> Blast that into the quad. So yeah, that was that was probably was was top of the list. I remember some brownies. I remember brownies uh, on my desert deployment, and I remember that they were like sealed in a couple different Ziploc bags, yep. uh, so that they would be fresh. So that was. Yep, uh, so- I don't know if we'll get to interview my mom for this particular type of question, but the best care package item I ever received from my mom at the Academy was a German chocolate cake, freshly baked from her oh, kitchen. that's right. That she packed up and perfectly packaged and sent in like an overnight shipping box and it arrived totally intact and delicious. And what? it was amazing. It was the most crazy thing I had ever pulled out of a box. Yeah. And freshly baked goods are always popular. Uh, chocolate is difficult in the desert because most of the chocolate will melt pretty quickly if you leave it in that pure chocolate form. But unfortunately, everybody knows that. And so you really have a hard time getting chocolate in the desert. And I was asking my brother the other day, what do you want in your care package? I need to fill up a little bit more room. And he said, please just not sugar. There is so much sugar out here already. And that's (laughs) true. Like everybody sends sugar but it's it's like the pure sugar form it's like skittles and twizzlers and Uh, i'm raising my hand i'm guilty here because the first care package that i sent to him was probably 90 percent sugar Uh, (laughs) throw in brownies or cookies or something i know and i did that shrink wrapping thing like i did when you were in college but i did also send some jerky and that's huge some, That's huge. Some nuts and things like that. Yep. So pro tip for any of the moms listening. Care packages that are most remembered are probably going to be baked goods. Freshly baked goods. Yeah. The other, I was going to do a shout out to another care package item that I received just as a free advertisement for whoever wrote this book. But when I was deployed to Afghanistan, my mom also sent me the book, uh, How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul. And it's, it's a great book. So look it up if you're unmarried or single <laughs> and you want to book about 
whatever marriage and life, <laughs> marriage and life. <laughs> but the, the one of the best recommendations from that book was there was a whole chapter about it and it said find your bridesmaids before your groom and i just thought that was awesome mm. because it, it really speaks to the value of having a tribe and so that ties back to this whole bellas head mm. thing where you really got to have your support and people who are in the boat with you and that's kind of what that was getting at in the book was you know find your find your bridesmaids find the people who are going to help you with your decisions Get through and a marriage. support you and support marriage and or you know whatever it happens to be in your life, right? But find your find your people before looking for something else. And so anyway, great yeah, book. It's a good recommendation. recommendation. Total tangent. How is being a military mom different from your time supporting the military as a military spouse? What's the difference between those two different periods of of service, if you could call it that? Well, let me preface my answer by saying that I really considered Ken's time in the military, his service as an us thing. In fact, I often tell my friends uh, when we were in the military, and of course, I wasn't the one putting on the uniform and marching out the door to work every day. That was Ken. But I really felt like it was a joint effort. And now being a mom of a military person, I feel I have a different role. I'm more in the stands, uh, as it were. I'm more of a cheerleader uh, compared to being on the field when my role was supporting my husband. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how it is now. Uh, Now I'm there to offer advice or encouragement or send cookies uh, (laughs) or whatever instead of so much being in the trenches. A, A lot of my time with Ken, particularly his last assignment, I felt like I was a therapist because there were some difficult people that he was working with and he would come home with some issue that had happened at work or problems with coworkers. And I was the one kind of helping talk him through all of that. So it's different now, you know, well, in some ways, you know, I still, I think, help my kids walk through their issues and give advice. No, I definitely think that's that's something that you have done for me during my military time as a mom. You have supported me in that same way, counseling and and acting as a therapist, talking about conflict resolution and personal skills and things like that. I know that there were a couple of times early at my first assignment in particular, and I wasn't getting along with, I, I can recall two people in particular, but probably a few more. And I was still a young second lieutenant, so I hadn't figured out some of those skills and techniques yet. And I remember I would call you and I most of the time I was just kind of venting, but sometimes I really don't know how to handle this person. And I just think I'm going to avoid them because I can't figure out how to get along with them. So I'm just going to stay away from them. And I remember something that really stuck with me was that you reminded me that there is always going to be someone that you don't get along with. You are never going to get an assignment or even a civilian job or heck, even as a as a mom staying at home, you are not always going to get along with your toddler. <laughs> there is always going to be some kind of workplace conflict and you have to learn how to work through that conflict in a professional healthy way rather than avoiding it and saying what I was saying I just don't like this person and I'm I'm not going to try to work with them I'm just going to avoid them that's not functional that's not how teams function and if you're a leader in an office you know that if you've got people that just refuse to work with each other because they're difficult personalities your whole organization breaks down so I think that you as my mom 
even though you're the mom in this role, there was still a lot of good mentoring and professional advice that you offered as a mom. Particularly for you, you are in a good place to speak truth into my life and I will listen to it. I will not immediately reject it because it's coming from somebody else. I know and I trust my mom and know that she has my best interests at heart and her ego is not involved or her ambition is not involved. Uh, what are some challenges that you don't have to deal with now as a military mom that were things that you had to overcome as a military spouse? Is there a different set of challenges or is it the same challenges in both roles? Uh, no, no, I think different challenges. Going back to my analogy of being on the field when Ken was active duty, uh, being the spouse of a military member means that you are making sacrifices along with your spouse, whether they're financial sacrifices or whether um, it's separation challenges because your spouse is deployed and you're left to try to hold the family together, keep the house from falling down, things like that. That I don't have to deal with now, uh, obviously, as a military mom. Well, so I was going to ask a question kind of on that vein. If there is a, you know, you were in a unique position where you lived, you know, kind of the life of a military spouse or, you know, associated with the military. And then now you're supporting your daughter who is kind of going through the same things. If there's a mom that is listening who didn't experience military life firsthand, but is now supporting a daughter, is there any one particular morsel of wisdom that you would offer her? Hey, here's one thing to consider as a mom that you may not know that I could offer you. Learn acronyms. <laughs> yeah. The Air Force loves acronyms and don't be afraid to say that string of letters that you just rattled off. I have no clue what you just said. <laughs> so translate that for me. <laughs> but one other thing that comes to mind uh, for me, and this is something I've always tried to hang on to, is that your children, as a mother, your children are not your own. You have to realize that. And the sooner that you realize that, the better. Um, your children don't belong to you. And once they join the military, they really don't belong to you. <laughs> now they belong to the military. So it, for me, it's that idea of not holding on too tightly. Obviously, mm. I love my kids to death. I would love for them to all live close, but I've had to struggle with this and realize that they need to live their own life. Um, I remember when Julie was a senior in high school, and she, of course, is the oldest, was going to be the first to leave the nest. And I just grieved that whole year. For me, it was a string of, oh, this is the last Thanksgiving that we might all be together. Or this is the last family vacation that we're going to all take because we just never know what's coming down the pike. I knew she was going to be gone. I had a pretty good idea of how often she would be home once she was at the Air Force Academy. And it was hard letting go. And it maybe got a little bit easier with each of them. So by the time my last one left <laughs> for his deployment, I was like, okay, great. You know, there's, there's the airplanes. <laughs> no, I think I still, uh, we said a quick goodbye because I was afraid I was going to cry and embarrass him. Um, <laughs> He's not very... He still waters, so he does run deep, but that depth is a very Vulcan kind of depth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
That letting go, I, you know, to me, it's important to do it gracefully. I've seen some moms who, I guess now we call them helicopter parents, but it's like, you know what, just give your child some space. Let them grow up and be an adult. This is the life that they've chosen. And best thing that you can do at this point is support from afar. And for me, that means a lot of prayer and a lot of encouragement. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Yeah. And that's some very valuable advice for me as a mom in the middle of the little years. It's really hard going through the trenches of the little years to remember that in 18 years, I'm going to miss this. There are days when I am saying to myself, I can't wait to be missing this. I am so ready for this period to be over. So it's valuable to remember that Parenting is an 18-year process of de-parenting and making yourself irrelevant. And that's hard for me to see now, you know, having a conversation with my five-year-old about 13 years down the road. Buddy, you're flying too fast. You're overspeeding the flaps. You need to throttle back. Yeah, it's impossible to remember that on a daily basis with young kids. It's a lot of trench work and you barely have time to look up and see a week down the road, let alone 18 years. But hopefully that advice, if we repeat it, often somebody out there will take some wisdom and it will help them as they're in that trench work. Right. And one of the things that I always tried to keep in perspective when I was going through those years raising my kids was that my goal in raising my children was to turn them into responsible, mature adults. And part of becoming that mature adult is for them to go out on their own and live their own life and have adventures and go to exotic places like Minot. <laughs> and if it meant that I wasn't going to see them as much, well, that's what I was working towards all those years raising them. Yeah. So supporting from afar and allowing them to live their life, but still providing that support as they're out there doing their individual thing. In the supporting from afar, how did you celebrate, you know, a special events or, or things that you may still want to participate in, or even your daughter, you know, your daughter or son wanted you to participate in, but they were elsewhere where they were deployed or they were stationed at, you know, exotic Minot <laughs> or Dias or, you know, or Minot. I, I would say, I think I celebrated one birthday with Julie since she left for the Academy. And that was when uh, she was stationed at Vienna. Yeah. And I, wasn't yeah. I about to deploy? Right. I believe you were. Um, I flew in and I think I was there for about a week, but I just managed to make it coincide with her birthday. But other than that, you know, the visits are few and far between. Um, part of that is that uh, I work and I can't always get away from work and, and I have to divvy up my free time, my vacation mm -hmm. time between all the other kids too and grandkids. I was able to visit last Thanksgiving um, because yes. um, of being between jobs. And we've had a few Christmases here or there. I was able to visit uh, again in lovely Minot for Christmas. <laughs> and, um, you get snow. You at least get snow for Christmas in Minot. Definitely. More, more Christmassy than Phoenix, Arizona, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, number two baby was on the way for Julie. So I got to be there for that. Um, but otherwise, it's um, picking up the phone to say happy birthday. But usually that turns out to be the day after uh, Julie's birthday because she's usually out celebrating when I party, call. party, party, I'll leave Julie. A voicemail saying I'll call you back tomorrow for your birthday. <laughs> I haven't celebrated. I don't think a birthday with my mom in a lot of years. Hit me when I was uh, my thirtieth. Family happened to be in town also because I just had a baby and we were doing baby shower. And but my mom likes to send cards, and so she'll drop a note in the mail every so often. And that's how she just tosses the, the support from afar my direction, just, you know, for a special event. 
whether it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, even if we're going to talk on the phone, you know, she sometimes does that. And so for any listeners who might be writing is kind of your way of doing that, you know, feel free to throw your kids a, a card as well. And I know you send me cards pretty frequently for birthdays and Christmases and things like that. You're, yeah. you're pretty consistent. Yeah. And I really see a lot of wisdom in, in Bernadette's mom's card sending. It is a lost art, just like writing in cursive. But I think the, the neat thing about a card with some handwritten thoughts and, you know, here's the latest going on at home and so on is that you can go back and pull that card out yeah. and say, you know, this was really nice that my mom remembered, mm-hmm. not just a call, but, you know, taking the time to go look through all the cards in the Hallmark store and pick out just the perfect one. Yeah, I I think I have kept most of those. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't send cards as often as I should anymore. And I would like to point out that you have been there for a couple of my kids. So we did you know, some holidays we've done one birthday, but you've also been there for uh, the birth of a couple of my kids. Yeah. Well, one, because you came to Arizona, which is so cool. I remember you calling and saying, well, here's what's going to happen. I'm expecting (laughs) Patrick's getting deployed. We don't think the Air Force is going to let him come back. And I need a support system. And I'm thinking maybe of going to Colorado or maybe I could go to Phoenix. And I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> come see us. Come see us. So that was a treat. That was definitely a special treat to get to spend uh, those few months with you and the boys and then to be there when baby was born. Just cool. Yep. The only person I wanted there was my husband. <laughs> I didn't want anybody there. I didn't want anybody there. Oh, I just wanted my husband. I wanted to just... You did this Absolutely. to me. No, actually, it was it was like sobbing. You know, like don't let anything happen to me. <laughs> like I'm gonna die. <laughs> it's just like I will say from my perspective, the support from afar thing, the most valuable support that my mom offers me is just always being a phone call away when military life is getting me down. And those days happen. Yeah, I mean, they happen for everybody. But I know that my mom is always a phone call away. And if she doesn't pick up, she will eventually call me back. And just having somebody who, as always, will talk me off of the ledge, who knows my personality, and she knows what particular things to say to help bring me back in line with reality, and is perfectly positioned to to speak truth into my life, and I will listen. So I think that's something that's valuable. But I've been thinking too about some of our listeners. If you have an estranged relationship with your mom, or maybe you don't have a relationship with, you know, someone who you would call a mom, I think you can still find those kind of wise female mentors. And I don't want to make any of our listeners feel feel bad for the lacking of a mom if you can seek out those female mentors and role models who can still serve that function in your life. Yeah, and that can be a challenge to find. But certainly, you know, most of us can find someone to help fill that void. You know, if it's a female that can also help understand that aspect. That's awesome. Many of the things that uh, Deborah said also can apply to being a dad or, you know, a male, a male figure as well. So certainly the wisdom transcends more than just, yeah, the mother-daughter relationship. I, I just think, you know, I'm, I'm a person of faith and I think it is um, my responsibility and my duty uh, and my privilege to lift up 
each of my kids in prayer. I take that very seriously. And um, that's something that I do on a daily basis uh, for Julie and for my grandkids and all of my kids. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. I know I know one thing um, also, so my, my mom is, is very much the same, right? She's a big believer in if she can't be here in person, she very much wants to. So she she uses the vernacular the legions of angels, and so she wants to send the legions of angels to be with her children or her grandchildren or you know whomever may need it at any given time to just protect them and be with them through challenges or or other different things in life. So that's very important to her as well. The one thing it's a little different, but I think my mom is also very grateful that as a female, I have found other female friends that I've been able to stay close with that have helped provide, you know, I mean, I have a, I have a sister and I love my sister and, you know, I'm very fortunate to have a good relationship with both my sister and my mom. But at the same time from afar, right, I have these other military female friends who are able to provide the support and the understanding about what it is to be in the military and be a woman in the military or, you know, a mom in the military or, or whatever. And my mom is not like uh, Deborah in that she did not go through the experience of being a spouse or, or being in in the military or supporting military, I was kind of the first one. And so I know she's very grateful for me to have those friendships. And so for other listeners, you know, just I think a piece of encouragement from from my mother would be to when you find a, a person who can be a friend, take the time to invest in that mm-hmm. friendship and make it worth keeping. So that way, if you don't have a parent or a sister or somebody who can quite relate to those experiences, right, that person can always be part of your tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it does take work. It does. You have to make it a priority. It has to be a commitment. Okay, if you could go back in time, knowing what you know now, what would you want your daughter, I'm just going to say your daughter rather than me, because it sounds so awkward to say me. (laughs) If you could go back in time, knowing what you know now, what would you want your daughter to think about as she makes a decision to join the military? What advice would you have for a mom in the same position? I think those are two separate questions. Yes. So maybe answer the first one first. Yes. <laughs> what would you want your daughter to think about as she makes the decision to join? Or, you know, what, what thoughts would you have for her? Uh, I think the number one thing I would want my daughter to consider is her motivation. I think that's crucial uh, because if you don't have the proper motivation, you're not going to stick with your decision and you're not going to be successful. So uh-huh. I think you have to understand that this decision is potentially a lifetime commitment of service to your country. And it's not about getting the recognition, people walking up to you in the airport and thanking for you for your service and that sort of thing. Mm. So I think that's the number one thing to consider what is your motivation. And then consider, look at the downsides. Um, obviously, most of you could make a lot more money as civilians. You've chosen this path and it means some financial challenges. I do think the military gives you a nice package of compensation, uh, but obviously the pay is not what it would be if you were a civilian. So is this something that you're prepared to handle? I remember uh, when Julie was a toddler, uh, well, she walked at nine months, so she was (laughs) a very early toddler, just starting to walk, and money was very tight for us, so tight that I was worried about how we were going to afford Julie's first pair of shoes when she needed them. And that was because uh, we had made the decision for me to be a stay-at-home mom. And uh, we were living on a first lieutenant still. So money was tight. 
And that's, that's something that you need to consider. And then the third one, I think this has been a big one for Julie, would be how are you going to handle a career and a family if you decide to marry and you end up with children? That's something that you need to think about down the road. What advice would you have for a mom, right? You know, for your fellow moms of military. I mean, you said a little bit about that, but, you know, even if it's a mom supporting a daughter who's thinking about the military or thinking about that, any thoughts you'd have for that mom? Uh, well, maybe I'm internalizing this because I'm not very good at looking down the road very far. Um, I can imagine where I'm going to be a year from now or two years from now, but I really have trouble looking at where I'm going to be much further down the road. So I think that's something a mom could help her daughter think about. That is, where do you see yourself in five years if you make this decision to join the military? What is your mm. life going to look like yeah, great. in five years? What's your life going to look like in 10 years? And is that where you want to go? And then obviously, are you okay with moving a lot? <laughs> uh, I think a lot of young people get into the military because maybe they're trying to get away from home, get out on their own. Uh, maybe they just don't have any other choices. Maybe they're not considering all of those things that are possibilities. But moving mm -hmm. is something that you need to consider. Are you okay with being away from your family? Are you okay with being on call 24-7? Because that's what you're signing up for. It's just kind of going through the realities of what military life will look like and making sure that, that the young person understands, yes, I'm prepared to handle this. Yes, I'm prepared to be on call 24-7. Uh, yes, I'm fine with having my clothes picked out for me every day and being told what I'm going to wear. And that was a plus for me. That was truly an incentive in my mind, not having to pick out a wardrobe because I had four years of high school at a school that had uniforms and then four years at college at a school that had uniforms. For the last eight years, I hadn't been dressing myself. I was not prepared to start dressing myself right then. So military having assigned uniforms, that sounded like a good thing to me. Yeah, yeah. So those are the things I would encourage your young person to consider when they're thinking about joining the military. I think also it's probably a good idea to encourage that sense of adventure. You know, Julie's been more places in the world than I've been, uh, which is not saying a whole lot. I've been outside of the United States two or three times, but she's been to far more places than I could ever dream to have gone, and I'm jealous. Uh, and it's the Air Force that's given her that opportunity. And the same thing for my son now, very few of his, none of his classmates from high school could mm. say they have been to the place that he is right now. So those are things that you can encourage a young person with, um, give them that big worldview and, and encourage them to get outside of their comfort zone. So there's, there's definitely an advantage of being more worldly. So <laughs> tell us a funny memory about your daughter's military life or associated with her military service. Uh, funny memory. Julie and I talked through uh, some of these questions and reminisced a little bit. And I remember her telling her father and I, I don't remember if she was home on break or whatever, but I think she was uh, a basic, weren't you, Julie? Yeah, it was in basic training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she was declared to be the sit-up queen because of how many sit-ups she was able to do. We decided that was the benefit of being short. Yes. You don't have to do so much work to do sit-ups when you're short. <laughs> That's true. Having a long torso <laughs> sucks when it comes to the sit-up test. I'm just saying. 
Uh, okay, so how about uh, another funny memory? Um, well, this was um, after basic training. Of course, there is very limited communication, uh, to say the least, with your cadet when they're going through basic training. But this was uh, basic training was completed, and Julie was in her dorm room, and I was sitting at my computer for some reason at that particular time, and an instant message popped up, and I don't know how many people remember instant messaging. AOL. Um, I don't think I had ever actually used instant messaging before this happened, so the instant message popped up from Julie, and I was so excited that I don't think I even replied to her. I ran off find her dad, <laughs> and I said, Julie's online, Julie's online. And I don't know how, I don't know how to respond to her. I don't know what button. And I remember distinctly being paranoid that she was going to go away before I got a chance to talk to her because I know, you know, somebody could step into that room at any minute uh, where she's sitting and the chance is gone. And I hadn't talked with her since um, June. Yeah. I was thinking it was Parents' Day weekend, but oh, I think Parents it was Day actually Dooley Day out. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, so you you short people with short torsos. All you got to do is basically just like yeah. crunch it, and it just pops up like boom, 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 elbows to the shoulders. And so us long torso people, we have to do like <laughs> the tortoise shell roll, right? Like all the way back to your head, and all the way back to your like yeah. got a long way to go. <laughs> anyway, there's no chance I would be the sit up queen. What do you think I do in the military? I had the best answer to this one. Actually, I think I already said it. I have no idea. But if I knew, Julie would have to shoot me, which is not entirely true. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have some idea of what she does. But honestly, I don't think I have a very good grasp uh, on what Julie does in the Air Force now. I know she did our target acquisition work for a while, but um, she's in a new position now. I'm not sure what, Deborah. I'm not sure what your daughter does in the military either. I think she does. Uh, I think she writes bullet background papers and stuff for people. Ouch. Tells them <laughs> makes slide decks. <laughs> Unbeknownst to you guys, I am saving the world. <laughs> you know, when you're talking about your funny story with Julie and reference Julie Day Out, and then talking to her online after basic training, you know, was there was there a change in your daughter? I, I can speak for myself, but was there a change in your daughter from when you put her on the plane or the bus or whatever in June time frame, and then? reconnected with her eight weeks or whatever later? Um, well, I wouldn't say a huge change because I think Julie was always a fairly, uh, you know, you're maybe your typical firstborn, obedient, compliant uh, child. She didn't have any problems um, taking orders or directions. Um, so I think the biggest thing that I would say that I noticed was more of a quiet confidence she had developed that, okay, I can do this. I can survive this. And I, you know, I was remembering when we dropped her off at the beginning of basic training uh, to report in the academy, and she walked off to the oh the AOG, AOG building. building. Um, I think she was probably scared yeah. to death. <laughs> but I think you know, by the time she got done with basic training, she was thinking, you know, I can do this. It's going to be hard, but I can get through this. So I think she had developed more confidence in herself. Yeah, and I th I think that that is still, you know, regardless of whether it's the academy or whether it's enlisted basic training or whether it's, a, you know, another service, 
that is still in force today. I think I noticed the same thing uh, in my youngest, my Air National Guard young man, uh, when he went through basic training. I went for his graduation and um, I noticed the same thing with him. It was like, you know, I use the word quiet confidence because I think there's uh, there's some humility associated with it that the Air Force maybe has kind of pounded into you that you're not as great as you thought you were. Yeah. You may have been all that in high school, but now you're one of a thousand all that. Yeah. Is there any other advice or wisdom or pearls that you would share with listeners, either as a mom of military or, or even being a spouse to military? You got that experience too? <laughs> you know, any last <laughs> gems you would offer? Yeah. um, You know, I think as far as being a mom of military, I think, you know, really grapple with that idea of letting go gracefully. But that doesn't mean that you are walking away from your children. And I have told particularly my boys, because boys are just different, and I don't chat with them as often as I do my daughters. But I've told them that You know, I'm not going to be demanding of your time, um, demanding phone calls on, you know, a regular basis or whatever, but I don't want you to ever, ever confuse that with the fact that I'm not there, um, that I wouldn't love to hear from you, that I'm not still your biggest fan, and that anytime you need to call, you pick up the phone, and I'm there to talk to you. I think from the spouse aspect, For those of you who are wives of members of the military, I would encourage you that your job is incredibly important and don't let the world tell you otherwise. I think that you are a team with your husband and what you do supporting your husband is just as valuable as a a wife of a civilian person. And you may not feel like society values what you do, but honestly, does that really matter? You're a team with your husband and, and you have a responsibility to support him. And it's of eternal value in my mind. We may not recognize it as important, but I want you to hear that from me, that I think it is. I know it is. Uh, and, you know, also for, for moms, I challenge you to remember that your children are not your own. God's in control of their lives, and we can support while letting go gracefully and being our kid's cheerleader. So, Well, we know that it takes, the old saying goes, right, it takes a village to raise a child, and I think that can be the case regardless (laughs) of how old your child is. And so I think it takes, it can still take a village to raise a, a child in the military, you know, when they're grown. And anyways, I'm just, I'm grateful for the insights that you've shared on being you know, a mom to a military member and, and a mom to a, a female. I have my, my own mother, certainly, but haven't had this conversation with her yet. So, yeah, a really good segue to remind folks who are listening that hopefully we will get this out on Mother's Day or shortly before Mother's Day. So if your mom is also of the same opinion that she is not going to pound down your door trying to make contact with you and she's going to let you call her when you have the free time, you should probably call your mom this weekend and say thank you. Uh, And this conversation has been really enlightening for me to think about the sacrifices that my mom was making. I don't think I realized at the time going through those experiences because, you know, I was a young teenager and you're kind of self-absorbed at that age. I had 
a big task in front of me and I was just so focused on that. I don't think I ever really considered what my mom was going through as I was approaching those decisions and thinking about those life choices. Right. Nor, nor did I. You know, when I left home, got married and drove off to this day, I remember my mom standing in her, there in the parking lot waving goodbye to us. And I didn't think at all about how she was feeling. I was just so excited to be moving into this <laughs> next stage of my life. It's it's only been since my kids have left home that it really hit me that, you know, I think all moms, uh, unless you're fortunate enough to have your kids living in your basement, all moms go through that. And so, yeah, um, you know, nurture those relationships, pick up the phone, send a card like Bernadette's mom does. Send send a text message. Answer text messages when they're sent to you. My son. Uh, great to know that we're not just sending those text messages out into cyberspace. So yeah, yeah, means the world to moms to hear from their kids. It really does. If you have a mom that has really had a hard time with letting you go. Bear in mind what what Deborah said about you know being a mom and. You know, it is a calling and a challenge to gracefully let go of your children, but we understand certainly that it it can be hard. There are plenty of challenges that come with being in the military that we know. You know, we as we as the daughters or we as the children can also offer our our, our moms <laughs> some comfort and that we understand that it's hard. You know, especially as we get older and we have our own kids. So so be supportive, uh, be your be a tribe. Yeah, this is a this has been an interesting conversation from my perspective hearing what my mom's thoughts were about things that I didn't really even realize she had had thoughts about. Have conversations with your mom and value that sacrifice that she made uh, if she has supported you in being a part of the military or if you're the spouse of a military member and she has supported you being away from home and not visiting during the holidays, and she is there to answer the phone anytime you're having a meltdown about PCS orders or TMO broke your precious Ming vase. I don't know. Let this kind of be a call to action to appreciate your mom and maybe pick up the phone and call her and thank her for being there to support you, even if it's been from afar, and, and put yourself in your mom's shoes and see the sacrifices that you know she made to help you uh, support the military the way you do. So thank you, Mom. Yeah, thank you, Deborah, for sharing your thoughts. You are most welcome. All righty, I will wrap us up. So thanks, everybody, for listening, uh, and thank you very much to our special guest, my mom. Thank you, mom. And just our, our usual reminder to ladies that we are all in this together and you are not alone, uh, especially uh, if your mom has supported you, you are not alone. She is your biggest fan. Uh, and in the meantime, let us to the battle. Thanks for listening to the Bella Said Bellum podcast. You can find notes or resources related to this topic on our social media community. Check us out, like, follow, or subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bellus at Bellum. Join us for our next episode, and in the meantime, let us to the battle. 
we take great care to seek out subject matter experts who are knowledgeable and experienced in their fields to be guests. However, everyone's military experience is unique, and the views of our guests and our hosts do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, view, or policy. Content is provided for informational purposes only, and we make no claim as representation of official sources.